Greetings and welcome back to My Life Not Yours. I'm Tina and I hope you'll enjoy listening to this week's episode. Welcome to an episode that is all about being black and how I lost my identity, aka an identity crisis. Yes, I was born black and you know what? I'm really proud to be black. I make no apology for the colour of my skin despite what others believe I am because of it. And that's where my journey begins. The colour of my skin isn't my fault and for a long time when I was younger I thought it was. I thought why do I look this dark? I used to scratch myself, I used to try and peel it off because I was brought up in a very white environment and there weren't many people around me that looked like me. I believe to have some of your identity intact you need to be around people that look like you but let's say in the 70s when you're fostered out and part of a care system that doesn't really care, that is not a priority. You're in these homes, you're fostered, and it is what it is. You look at yourself, you wonder why you're different to everybody else. But I was questioning my sense of self and identity from about the age of 13. And what came about due to changes and stresses in in that kind of younger life was still coming through into adulthood. So let's crack on with the colour of black and how that impacted me as a black person when I was younger. Of course, there were other childhood traumas, but I think this was a biggie because if you don't know who you are, you are bordering on, I don't know, some weird stuff. And I'll come into that a little bit later. My early years of being black, I didn't realise, if I'm honest, that I was the subject of a lot of racism and jokes And because I stood out more than other people, it was really strange when I look back at it now. And there were some really covert, racist innuendos, jokes, you name it. There was one children's home that I was in, and I remember the person who ran that place. Her name was Penny Sweet. There were six of us in this home. And actually, I think I must have been about six or seven because this is my second home that I moved on to after the first set of foster parents divorced. And in there were two twins. Sorry, twins. Twins is two people, right? And they were called Kez and Lisa. I remember that everybody used to have their bath on a Sunday. So again, the whole cleanliness and bullshit about bathing once a week. I think it was a face wash, the rest of it. Lord knows. Oh, gosh. Anyway... (laughs) I'm a bit of a, a cleanliness freak, but it's not a cleanliness, it's it's hygiene. And bathing once a week, even as a child, not good. But when it came to Kez, Lisa and my turn, the baby oil used to come out and we used to all get in the bath and they used to wash our hair and then put baby oil in it. And I always remember when the comb went through our Afro hair, a screaming so so much I think most black people um, who especially uh, girls women when you're young and you have to have your hair done it is the most dreaded time of the week because it hurts you've got these natty natty tight curls of afro hair I think some people are so traumatized by it that that's why they wear a weave wigs extension and straighten the hair anyway I digress 
that was my first encounter with black people. Imagine I'm seven years old. I've never really seen any other black people apart from these people in this home. I can't remember me being excited about that. But what I do remember is when we used to play and I've got a picture, but I can't show you obviously on a podcast because you can only hear my voice. There's a picture of us playing in the garden and I've got this polka dot kind of really sunflowery dress on and I've got a tea towel with two clothing pegs tied to my very short hair. And I remember us feeling that we wanted to be like the other little white girls in the home with long swooshing hair. So we had this hair and we're flicking it and everything like that. I think that was the beginning of the identity crisis, really trying to be something that we clearly were not. I think the other memory of being black was when I was living with some of these white families and just by default, some of the names they used to call me in a very friendly manner. Ah, here's my little Sambo. Isn't she cute? And this used to come out particularly at Christmas. And I had an uncle called Uncle Roger and he sadly died probably 20 years ago now of cancer, smoked like a chimney, but he had a pub. Him and his wife, Mavis, and they had one daughter, Karen, who was extremely spoiled, but for want of a better term, was my foster cousin. So I always used to go and stay with him in this pub and it was great. And, you know, you get your salt and vinegar crisps. But I was referred to as the little Sambo and I thought this is acceptable. I thought this was another name for me. Yeah. Wow. Imagine. We don't know or rather don't realise how powerful words are. And I've been reading this book by Vex King, Good Vibes, something, 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 something. And he says, words can hurt, help or heal. There's power in everything you write and say. Your message is significant. Be wise with it. Do you know, those words are so, so true. You can imagine that you're young, It's like being given crack cocaine. I think I raised this in another episode to do with a a hip hop idol. But imagine you're called words like nigger, which is referred to as the M word, sambo, all these kind of things. And we're talking the early 1970s. So it's not as though we're talking slavery era. What does that do? Because it starts to penetrate through your mind. People used to call me that when I was younger and it's associated with bad. And it was interesting that through my discovery of being a black person and and what that actually was, imagine I, I didn't have a clue. I was seeing things on television that were associated with jungle, bad, tribes, anything to do and Zulus. And it wasn't until you get to an age where you can really go into your history. And that's why I love my culture so, so much, where you can defy all this bullshit that you've been fed when you're young and know exactly where you've come from. And it is very beautiful. I'm an African woman. That discovery, I realised black is associated with negativity because most people don't like dark things, such as the occult. Dark clouds means it's going to rain. And Guess what? As black people, we've all been dumped into the dark category. What a fucking cheat because we are so beautiful and I am beautiful and I'm affirming that right now. A bit later on in my childhood, having just had a little rant there, but I'm speaking the truth. It was in athletics around the age of 13 when I kind of found others that really looked like me and this really started to hit home. I also realised the skin tone made a big difference. The closer you are to white, the more godly you are perceived. 
apparently. It means more success, etc, etc. And again, this goes back to slavery because you had those who were of a lighter skin tone but still black were allowed to work in the plantation house and those who were dark like myself were out in the field. So we were the field Negroes and then you had the house Negroes. You know, I advise you all to go and read up on about that because I'm not about to go on about slavery and everything else, but I'm just doing this to show you how it affected me when I was younger. I feel that from the athletics is when it all started to unravel for me in terms of my identity and what that looked like. I had so many memories of different occasions of the colour of my skin being my downfall because of what other people felt. I think at a young age, it's really destructive. Example, there was one place I was living and I was given um, a lovely teddy bear at Christmas and I was told to call it Enoch Powell. Go and read up about Enoch Powell. There were times that I would get slapped And I knew nobody else would get slapped across the face for sneezing, but I did, and I was made to sleep with dogs. There were so many things that happened now that I think just because I looked and was different from everybody else in that particular environment I was living, it became a thing. By the time I got to secondary school and I was in a sea of white, I went to a really nice grammar school. There were over 700 people in this place, and it wasn't until I was in probably... I don't know, when I was about 14, that another uh, black girl came in there and she had a disability, actually, I think. And she was of straight African heritage. And I remember her hair, she had this elaborate extension as her hairdo. And people used to say, oh, Tina, why isn't yours like, can't remember her name, like that and so forth. And I didn't know. I just remember she looked really different to me. And people were starting to clump us two together because we look like each other and it's funny I didn't even, I didn't really have an affinity with this girl because my identity crisis was already fucked I wanted to be white I saw her as dirt and and not right because I'd already been almost conditioned that the color of my skin wasn't great I hope this is making sense because it's really weird trying to relay this back but I'm just trying to think of all the brown and black skinned young people And I just want them to be proud of who they are because there's nothing worse than looking at yourself and hating. I'm not talking about shit on social media, about how thin you are and what you should look like and blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about the colour of your skin and trying to change who you are because you might not get accepted. We know there are facts that there aren't that many black people that get the acting roles or we're stereotyped into certain type of jobs, but never, ever be ashamed of who you are. And for me, that identity crisis that came in, which I'm now going to go into, in the words of James Brown, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. So for a long time, my identity was in question because I really didn't know who the hell I was and why I looked different part of growing up the skinheads were quite rife where I used to live and I was a young teenager and to try and get in with people I or not get in with people to try and get in with these skinheads you know I love the music I think it was Scar which you know there's a an element of reggae to that and and stuff I used to put eyeshadow in my hair I 
I don't know where that came from. Maybe because the skinheads used to shave their head. But there was a whole lot of stuff. I didn't know what I was supposed to look like. As I was literally in this white world, I was ostracized by my own. Remember I told you in athletics that I actually met quite a few people that looked like me. Because funnily enough, a lot of black people do athletics. And they don't just sprint, by the way. But we do have faster twitch fibers. I was ridiculed by them and called a coconut, which... For those people who don't really know what a coconut is, it's deemed black on the outside, white on the inside. And I guess what that means is it's not acting white. There are big cultural differences between black culture and white culture, whether it's from the way you talk, from the food you eat, from how you act, from the places you go to listen to music, the music you listen to. There's so many things. But I used to get called a coconut because they thought I spoke really well and quote unquote, I didn't act black, whatever that was at that time. I didn't act black. So I used to go home and literally cry myself to sleep most of the time. And I'm talking in my teens. So this is in secondary school from 13 to 14. I didn't really know who I was and it absolutely destroyed me, if I'm honest with you. I'm trying to find something to really laugh about this, but it's actually not great because when you don't know what your identity is, you'll just become anything anybody wants you to to, to fit in. And it was funny that when I left the countryside to come and live with my mother again at the age of 16, London was really calling. And right now I can picture that music playing London's Calling by The Clash. I love that tune. And it's really weird because I'm not a rocker. I'm not into rock music. I'm into soul, reggae, jazz, funk. But London's Calling. Actually, I'm quite diverse, to be fair. That's a little bit narrow minded. But London's Calling by The Clash because London really did call me. And not only did London provide me with an identity externally, but it did internally because the self-discovery was only just beginning from college life to the riots that were happening and later on friendships that became my tribes. I found my blackness. I found out who I really was. And I was a real visual learner because no one had taught me anything. No one had said what it is. You know, you may be saying, what what do you mean, Tina? What do you mean being taught to be black? But let me tell you something. Culturally, it's really, really important to know who you are as well. And I've always felt there's been this rhythm of the drum deep inside me that has allowed me to find out who I am. It's exhilarating to find out about your heritage and your culture. And, you know, it was beautiful, but really quite terrifying. I think in a nutshell... A lot of people who have an identity crisis don't know they're having an identity crisis. And while mine is based around my blackness, it was also through obviously the trauma of some of the childhood things I went through as well. But it's interesting that from a psychology perspective, there are signs and here's some of them, most of which I can identify with. Change with your environment. As an example, when I was in that government workplace that was like a studio and everybody was really studious and dressed a little bit funny. It really wasn't me, but I conformed to that. I even went out and bought clothes that made me look about 60 years older than what I actually bloody was when I think about it. I didn't even have an identity of how I was supposed to dress. And so I would copy what other people would wear to fit in. I was being formed 
as a person by my environment. So imagine now I'm now hitting your early 20s and I'm still going through this identity crisis. And so I was formed by my environment rather than by choice and personality. That's quite scary. Another one is relationships mould you. Luckily, (laughs) from a love perspective, I didn't morph into past partners and thank God, but so many do. E.g. So let's just talk about relationships because I spoke about relationships last week, but just from a love perspective, you stop doing things that you love and you start doing things that they want you to do and stuff like that. But if you know yourself, love yourself, you're not going to do that. You change friendships and all this kind of stuff because you have no clue who you are supposed to be, but you will be what they want you to be. And actually, especially in relationships, love relationships, you cannot go in there expecting to change somebody. You need to be your authentic self, be you. It took me a long time to realise that. However, like I said, I didn't morph into my partnership, but there were things that I could identify with that I felt I still didn't know who I was radical shifts in opinion your mindset changes on a daily basis one minute you're voting for Sadiq Khan the mayor of London and then the next you're voting for the Green Party all about environmental issues that's a really crude example but get my drift you should know where you stand on certain topics and ideals and stuff like that Be bold in your conviction of what you feel in your beliefs. Don't just change because somebody else has said they're doing this or whatever. A bit like having the COVID jab. If you don't want the jab, do it based on your research and the science and whatever else. Not because everybody else is sending you fake fucking news on WhatsApp. Oh, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to wait for a year. Whatever your choice is, whether you've taken it or not taken it, Just be well informed and stick by your beliefs. You don't have to justify anything to anybody. Getting bored easily. Oh my God, I can so relate to this. And it's still been happening to me up until about, I don't know, three years ago, if I'm honest with you. And I ain't no spring chicken now. So what I found was, and some of this can be attributed to my early life, not just the identity crisis. Well, yeah, the identity crisis. I switched friends and acquaintances like you're changing your underwear, which should be every day, right? (laughs) I used to find a friend or an acquaintance, I get into them, and then as quick as you can say, what's your name, I've already moved on. And again, that is because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know that I'm Tina and I value deep friendships and they come in many shapes and sizes. I just didn't get it. I thought everybody had to be the same. And if they weren't acting in a way that I thought was acceptable, then I'm moving on to the next. That is another symptom. Relationships don't run deep. So here we have the self-protection element that prevents real connections with others. I debate this one a little bit because I did, I felt I had real connect. Well, maybe, maybe I didn't, but real connections with others. So self-protection that prevents real connections with others. I felt they were real, but I think if you ask the other person, it wasn't a real connection. That goes hand in hand with problems holding on to relationships. And Lord, ain't that the truth of me? Probably in terms of the friendships and stuff that I had. I didn't know the rules of engagement. I think I brought this up in my relationships um, episode, but it really hurt because I didn't know who I was and would model myself of somebody else that was standing in front of me. Oh, I want to be this activist. Or, oh, she's really cool and funky. Let me be like that. What I needed to do is carve out 
What is it you like being, whether it's what you wear? Like I know during lockdown, I have lived in a tracksuit, joggers, t-shirt. I just look plain rough. If I was still in the identity crisis, when I hear other people at work or acquaintances say, oh, I put on some proper clothes today and I have my nails done, whether they were doing it at home, I would succumb to that because I didn't know what I really wanted or liked. So I'm just going to copy somebody else. Not now. I don't I don't care if someone's dressed up in their Sunday best. I am doing my own thing. In fact, developmental psychologist Eric Erickson came up with the identity crisis term and had a theory that the environment a child grows up in is crucial to forming a sense of awareness and self. Hence, I was so over the place and entered adulthood as a confused bunny. There you have it. A little bit on identity crisis. If you suspect somebody is going through that, really talk to them or help them try and discover what they really like. And especially our young people, I feel so sorry for them at the moment because they are so influenced by social media. I think we're growing up in a society that is really messing with who we are and supposed to be. And whilst I've spoken about the blackness being the biggest ingredient to my identity crisis, the other parts of that was growing up in care and not knowing who I'm supposed to be. Now, there's a lot of people that may say, Tina, I didn't grow up in care and I'm still fucked up. I don't know who the hell I am. (laughs) Well, good luck to you. But I'm just saying for me, that's what it was. And it was quite hard without the personal development that I've actually put myself through to really know who I am whether it's somebody saying oh I know you'd love to come out to the zoo and visit no I wouldn't it's having that conviction to say it or how I dress or what I speak and what I'm prepared to do it's all of it so my final thought I am a proud black woman who is bold and brave and more importantly I'm finally comfortable in my own skin because I'm owning my truth I have learned to deal with who I am and I'm enjoying the journey. And this podcast is part of that. So I really do hope you'll enjoy it with me too. Never stop working on yourself, even if you don't have an identity crisis, because we can all be better humans. The world is tough enough as it is. If you like this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts. I know you may listen on another streaming platform, but that's the only one where you can rate my podcast and review it if you dare. So many have been graciously WhatsApping me and been so kind and contacted me saying how much they love it. And self-promotion isn't my strongest point, even though I am in marketing. Can you believe it? I've got my own business. It just always seems a little bit self-indulgent, but sharing is caring. So let others know about my body. And until the next instalment of My Life Not Yours, take good care and make sure you know who the fuck you are.